From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Strong themes and coarse language may apply. Damn it. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. Every man has his ghosts. Maybe not actual spooks or specters, but ghosts that he's created in his mind. Creatures born out of regret or shame or fear. Some men drink them away. Others strike out at those around them out of misplaced fear and anger. Some men wear them like a crown of thorns. And others pick a little of each like a smorgasbord. Most of us... Most of us don't like to think about them. There's no sense waiting for them to go away. If I'd become a candlestick maker after I got back from the war, I'd still have seen a hundred times too much to ever sleep through the night. And there's work to be done, and life to be lived, and you do what you do. You don't think about them. Except sometimes, the past comes floating unexpectedly across your path, like a handful of dead leaves in the wind. Sometimes one of those ghosts looks you in the eye and takes on flesh. Not very often, but sometimes. Well, good morning, sunshine. Don't start. What in the name of all that is holy are you doing here at quarter to nine? Couldn't sleep. You haven't been here all night, have you? Nah. I just woke up at five and couldn't get back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is that your third or fourth pot of coffee? Second. I just got here. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. This wasn't that unusual, although Jack's mood was curiously upbeat. I didn't expect it to last. I looked at him at his desk, surrounded by files that he kept open so he could pretend to be working. Jack never did get the hang of being his own boss, and he knew he wasn't fooling me, but old habits die hard. He wasn't bad at the routine, except when he read the funnies and couldn't keep a smirk off the old square jaw. But today he was actually working. He was making notes on the Jennings file, a divorce case in which Jack had never before demonstrated the least interest. I went to pour myself a cup of coffee. Some unfamiliar sheen caught my eye. Jack had cleaned my cup. Really cleaned it. Now he was just bothering me. Jack was one of those people who never did any of the little things properly, and if you're around him long enough, you just got used to it. But every once in a while, he went on these kicks where he'd do everything he usually left to anyone else but him, but do it better. Of course, it's easy to do if you only intend on doing it for two days a year. My point is... Tricks? Hmm? You've been standing there with your cup in your hand for a good minute now. You know what, Justice? I don't know what. I don't suppose I ever will. Because at that precise moment, the grey-green door to our palatial offices slid open and 200 pounds of broken-down flatfoot sashayed past the peeling paint that formed the words Jack Justice Investigations. He smirked at the letters as he passed them, pushed his hat back on his head, and looked at us as if he expected applause. Well, 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 look what the cat dragged in. Lieutenant Sabian, to what do we owe this unexpected pleasure that I might put a stop to it immediately? You're awful cute for this early in the day. Well, one tries. Coffee, Sabian? Is it fresh? Are you new here? Of course it's fresh. Not only that, there's even a clean cup for you. There's been an orgy of pseudo-competence around here. It won't last. Thanks, Dixon. I could use it. Late night, Lieutenant? Maybe. Well, that's very illuminating. I think the lieutenant's got the early morning stares. I don't think so. 
He's got that far away look that he gets when he's sizing me up for prison stripes again. I wonder what I did this time. You two do know I'm sitting right here, right? Oh, yes. You're the gentleman from the police that walked in uninvited and drank a cup of Costa Rica. Can we help you with something, or would you like to see the breakfast menu? I wonder if you two have heard anything big off the street. Big? Like how big? Bread box big? Don't be vague, Sabian. It only encourages him. Whose side are you on? All right, you want it plain? Here it is. Word around the campfire is something big's going down in gangland. I thought you had half the gangs in the city under lock and key. That's right. The other half reckons they own the city now. Meanwhile, the big gangs in New York and Chicago figure on opening branch plants up here. There's a power vacuum, and nobody knows how it's going to get filled, but everybody knows it's not going to be pretty when it does. That's bad, all right, but what made you think of us? What's that? Well, we've been mixed up in things from time to time, all right, Sabian, but we're private dicks. Right now, we're on a divorce case and a lost cat. Oh, Mrs. Milroy called. The cat came home. Did it mention anything about gang activity? Wiseacre all you want, Dixon. I'm just paying, a uh, professional courtesy. There's supposed to be something big going on. One of the out-of-town syndicates has sent in a new shark to try and make the gangs toe the line. Maybe this is the first you've heard of it. I'm just saying... What are you saying, Sabian? I'm saying we're taking the shark down. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you get anything on this, I want it first, and I want it now, not ten minutes from now. There are too many guns in on this. You get caught up in the middle, and you can't count on me to pull you out. That's what I'm saying. And thanks for the coffee. No trouble. Thanks for stopping by. Uh-huh. Sabian, wait. What's this really all about? I've told you all I can, Dixon. Just play straight with me and keep your noses clean. And with that, he was gone without so much as a goodbye leer. That part was not that unusual. Sabian was a pain in the neck, but he was a gentleman. Still, I was wearing my new boots, which made my legs look about eight feet long. I'd even caught old square jaw taking a look the other day. I'm not vain by nature, but a girl detective knows when she holds the high card, and if this pair of aces couldn't distract our boy Sabian, then he was either very worried or more than a little dead. I turned back to Jack's desk and found only a still-swiveling chair and a cloud of aftershave in his wake. Blackjack was across the room already, putting a ring of skeleton keys into the pocket of his old overcoat. Sabian's warning didn't seem to have much effect. What did you make of that? Of what? Of Sabian. Be in his bonnet somewhere. Hard to say for sure. Never took off his hat. You don't care? I really don't. Jack. Lay off. I mean it. Sabian didn't ask for our help. Didn't even give us a clue how we could help him, did he? No. No. He just came in to rattle our chains. Well, I haven't heard a thing about a shake-up in the gangs. You? No. No. So it's nothing to do with us. Bad luck, Sabian. Come on, kid. We got work to do. The Jennings case? We only got one, remember? The cat came back. Mrs. Jennings usually leaves for the day around ten, and it's the maid's day off. You can drop me at the house when you pick her up. How come you get to do B&E while I tail Betty Jennings to the grocer's? I'd stand out at the beauty parlor. Besides, you might get to take some dirty pictures. You want I should take the camera? Do you think an oil painting would stand up in court? A simple yes would suffice. That's my girl. This was Jack's idea of division of labor. I don't know what he expected to find. Mr. Jennings struck me as the sort of fellow to snoop through his wife's things long before he hired a detective. But Jack always said that an amateur wouldn't know what they were looking for or where to start looking for it. So for him, it was a relaxing morning of snooping through other people's things while I got the privilege of seeing how the other half runs their errands. Mrs. Jennings went to the beauty parlor, all right, and the druggist and the greengrocers. 
She stopped long enough to meet two other housewife types for a cup of tea, after which a certain girl detective had to keep her distance, as Mrs. Jennings had told her girlfriends loud enough for me to hear how much she liked my boots. She made two more stops on the way home as I watched from the car, neither one much more than a minute. She pulled in her driveway and disappeared back into the house. I turned the car around and went to meet Jack in the usual place. Trixie stomped into the blue moon bar like the delicate flower that she was. A barfly who'd had just enough courage for breakfast and lunch to get ideas far above his station got a look that would freeze the South Seas for his trouble. She breezed past him and sat down across from me. I pretended not to notice right away. Marty the bartender placed a rye and water in front of Trixie at arm's length and without comment. The trick with getting my partner's goat was to wait until just after she'd got so angry that she didn't have a comeback waiting, but not so long that she'd already ripped your throat out. I reckon it was about time. How long did it take for her to notice the boots? I wouldn't have worn them if I knew I'd be tailing her. How could you have known? I didn't know. How'd it go? A perfectly normal and depressingly innocent outing. I could have taken a nice picture of Mrs. Jennings feeding a squirrel, but I didn't think that mister would be amused. I don't know if this bird is having an affair or not, but if she is, she's one cool customer. My guess is not. So how do we convince Mr. Jennings? We don't. What's that? Jennings isn't hot for a divorce because he's sure his wife is making a fool of him. Then why? Remember how you were sure no one would be stupid enough to leave proof of infidelity lying around their own house? Sure. Mr. Jennings was. What? Jennings, that rat! Rat is right. He's got a blonde in an apartment downtown. I don't know if he means to make the blonde the new Mrs. Jennings, but he definitely wants to be rid of the old Mrs. Jennings. And it seems to have occurred to him he'd be cheaper for him if she had a fella. If we can't find proof, he's going to want it cooked up. Then he can go to Blazes. Or to some other detectives who aren't such hopeless romantics. So what do we do? We have a drink. Excuse me? Sure thing, kitten. Sorry my sneaking up on you. I let myself into your office this morning. I got fed up waiting. So I asked for directions to the nearest bar, and sure enough... Here you are. Do I know you? Not yet, Boots. But I'm sure we can come to some arrangements. Well, that's the boy I came to see. Jack? That's right. Black Jack Justice. Sitting in front of a half-full whiskey, wondering what to do about divorced clients that lie to you. I always said you'd come to a bad end. Jack, who's the cheap suit with the worst patter? Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Meet Tom Fellows. My old partner. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. It's hard to imagine there could be anything more frustrating than a hard-boiled, square-jawed, cheap-suited gumshoe with more war stories than good sense. But there was. Two hard-boiled, square-jawed... Ah, you get the idea. The return of Jack's old partner, Tom Fellows, had pushed the consumption of whiskey and the use of gaudy metaphors right off any measurable scale. Blackjack's earlier spasm of responsibility was now as forgotten as the Jennings case, and the Blue Moon Bar had become the site of an unsolicited and unwelcome afternoon debauch. I figured there was no real harm. After all, they'd been through a lot together. Jack got his feet wet in the detective business with Tom Fellows before the war, and they'd joined up together. Been put in the same unit. But Tom had been captured, presumed dead, and spent a year in a German prison camp. When he got out, Fellows figured he'd come too close to dying to go back to a little office and the occasional $20 a day plus expenses. He'd left Jack as a last line of defense against crime and gone off to see the world. Jack had left Fellows and Justice, private investigators, painted on the door for two years before he'd changed it. It was why I'd never pushed him to change it again to reflect the current arrangement. 
There'd been two peas in a pod back in the day. Two minds with but a single thought. If that. And that's what grated on me as the stumble down memory lane entered its third hour. It had taken a lot of spit and polish to reject justice of the frat boy standards he'd learned with Tom Fellows. Bad habits ingrained by years of working a solo act. I wasn't about to go through it all again. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're thinking about that leave we had in that little village. Uh, what was its name? It started with a J. Uh, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Who can tell? <laughs> I think what the Krauts left for us, we finished off that night. Three nights. What? It was three nights, Jackie boy. But I'm amazed you remember enough to reassemble it all into one. Oh, three nights? How did we come by a three-day leave in the middle of... Come on, Jackie. I saw to it that the CO's aide got two cartons of cigarettes. Wasn't that difficult to arrange. Tom. This is why I didn't tell you everything, Jackie. You got that look like a disappointed Boy Scout. Or are you worried about what little Miss Boots will think? Trixie. Or Miss Dixon. I'm not going to tell you again. Good. Because I wasn't listening the first two times. But since then, it's been getting tedious. See? Boots... In wartime, a lot of things are in short supply. But it doesn't mean they aren't available. Everything's there if you happen to be the brass behind the line. And you are in charge of redistribution? Something like that. Cut it out, Tom. She'll get the wrong idea. Jackie, I was always the camp scrounger. And it stood me in good stead in that gulag. You must have noticed certain little things that got more scarce after I was captured. Uh, I kind of assumed it had something to do with pushing through occupied territory. That's my boy scout. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. I'll be right back. So. So. So that's the legendary Tom Fellows. I gathered. You don't like him. He doesn't seem real interested in my approval. He'll grow on you. Like fungus? Don't get wise. Somebody's got to. So what do we do about Jennings? Who? For Pete's sake, Jack Jennings. Our client who wants us to cook up proof of his wife's cheating on him so he can run off to wherever with the blonde he's got downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do we have to do this now? My oldest pal is back in town after who knows how long. Who made us the moral guardians of everything, by the way? It's not the role either one of us is exactly suited to. Do we have to catch Jennings in a lie? Maybe we tell him his wife's not cheating and cash his check. How about that for a change? It's what we're paid to do. That's what good old Tom would do, isn't it? You're darn right it is. What's wrong with that? Maybe he's wrong about you, Jackie. Maybe you're not such a Boy Scout after all. Sit down, would you? Have another drink. Trouble in paradise? I was just leaving. Sure thing, Boots. Nice to meet you. I'm sure. She's, uh, not bad when she's storming off. What was that about? Nothing. Come on, Tom. Let's head over to the office. I could use some coffee. I sat in the car outside Jennings' office and wondered what to do next. It wasn't that I was shocked to find he was playing around. It was a common theme, and as Jack pointed out, neither one of us was in much of a position to seize the moral high ground. And it wasn't that he'd lied to us. I'd had clients walk all over me often enough I was thinking of putting up turnstiles in an information booth. But when the case turned south, we always seemed to find a way to get it righted again. Sure, what Jennings was doing wasn't a crime... It was just one of a million ways someone in this stinking city was out to stick it to someone else. But it was just the sort of thing that stuck in Jack's craw. But not today. And I thought about the round, red-cheeked face of Tom Fellows. The other kind of detective. The kind that tar the rest of us with their brush. 
the kind that Jennings was hoping he'd hired when he came to us. All right, I was sore. I was sore because Tom Fellows was back in town and he was out to hang his shingle again. That's what he'd said. I was sore because we didn't need the competition, and I was sore because I wasn't sure there'd be an us anymore. So there. Any objections if I take it out on a cheating four-flusher with a blonde in an apartment downtown? I didn't think so. Jack had told me about the blonde, but he hadn't said how he knew or where the apartment was. By the time I got to Jennings' office, it was after five. His car was still there, but the office was closing. I had to act fast. I'd been tailing the thoroughly innocent Mrs. Jennings all morning. I didn't have time to mess around with her husband. I pulled a single sheet of paper off my notepad and gave a kid who didn't look like he knew right from wrong a buck to run upstairs, ask for Mr. Jennings, and put it in his hand. The paper had all of four words written on it, in as masculine a hand as I could muster, and they had the desired effect on my client all right. He left the office within minutes of the boy's disappearance and made for his car looking around like a startled pigeon. He peeled out of the parking lot and I followed at a discreet distance. He stopped in front of a four-story walk-up and buzzed 34. There was only one set of windows on the third floor with the lights on. There was a green grocer's across the way with apartments over it and an access ladder that made right for the roof. Jennings was in there all right, with a long, cool blonde of the Dragon Lady variety. At first they were arguing, Jennings pointing excitedly at the paper I'd sent him. I couldn't hear them, but she seemed persuasive. Very persuasive. Fortunately, I still had the office camera with me. I snapped a full roll, and while Jennings made his case for a curtain call, I dropped off the roll of film for developing paid in advance and left instructions for them to be delivered to Mrs. Eleanor Jennings during business hours. They wouldn't make her happy, but that wasn't in her immediate future no matter what I did. And they'd make my client very, very unhappy. I wondered if she'd see the note in any of the pictures, if she'd be able to read the four words in a disguised hand that had sent her husband straight to his mistress. I know your secret. I wondered if Tom Fellows would be amused. <laughs> Black coffee? You've got to lay off the hard stuff, Jackie. That'll kill you. Come on, Tom. Have another cup. It's too early for this. We're not kids anymore. <laughs> you sound just like boots. Lay off, would you? I'll tell you, Jackie. You may not have moved up in the world too much, but I do like the look of your girl Friday. She's my partner. Don't be daffy. She's my partner, and she's a darn good detective. So how come it says Jack Justice Investigations on the door? Well, I... I thought as much, Jackie. You're a sentimental fool. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you still wear that suit for old time's sake. What's wrong with the suit? Jackie, you say we're not kids, but here you are, living the same fool life we did before the war. Little people and their little problems. Staring at the door, reading your own name backwards over and over again. Esitsuj Kaj. I like it. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> Sounds like a skin disease. If it's such a darn fool way to earn a living, why are you getting back into it? What are you talking about? You said you were back in town to hang up your shingle. I did, didn't I? So don't get wise. You'll have Tom Fellow's P.I. memorized backwards soon enough. You're making several rather large assumptions, including the idea that I intend to work solo. Look, Tom, if you're... Hear me out. In a way, you've done pretty well for yourself lately, Jackie, my boy. 
You know this city inside out. You know the players. You, you've even taken a few big pieces off the board. The Sullivan family, locked up to the last granny. Chick Mason and his boys. There's even whispers you crossed Rocky Angel and lived to tell. That's so. If I did, I didn't do any of it on my own. Yes. Yes, the girl detective. For the moment, this is about you and me, Jackie. All these fine things you've done, and what exactly do you have to show for it? We didn't get into this for the glamour, Tom. No, we got into it because times were hard and it was what we had to do. I've got a newsflash for you, Jack. Prosperity's back. It's been back for a while, and you can have a piece of it if you want. You earned it. In a way, you made it possible. What are you talking about? You took a big bite out of some big organizations, Jackie. Someone's got to fill the void. That's where my shingle and I come in. Tom. It was a natural progression, Jackie. Funny thing is, it was the war that let me stretch my wings, use my natural talents to survive. And since then, I've been doing better than surviving, my boyo. You're not a detective anymore. You're Sabian Shark. Who's Sabian? Police lieutenant who's had to take down the guy they sent to consolidate the gang. See? They sent me because I know the city. But I'm out of touch. That's why I need a right-hand man I can trust. Someone without loyalties to the old organizations. I need you at my side, Jackie boy. This is why Sabian came to warn us off. He must know that it's you. He's going to take you down, Tom. Not if we take him down first. Tom! It's you and me to the end, Jackie boy. Time for you to look after what's best for Jack Justice. Cut the old ties, including the shiny new boots I hear coming down the hall. All right, Rummy. I settled Mr. Jennings' hash, and I did it my way. You'd better get him on the blower and tell him we're settling up, because in a few days he'll have bigger problems than his detective bill. Where's good old Tom? Right behind you, Bootsy. I turned around and found myself staring down the business end of a snub-nosed 38. Tom Fellow's great moon of a face was beaming back at me with a smile like a kid that likes to pull wings off butterflies. The Beretta was in my handbag that I'd thrown down on the desk, and I wasn't wearing the hidden piece Jack liked to call the mousetrap. I couldn't have moved for it if I were. From the corner of my eye, I could see Jack standing stock still like he was carved out of stone. Sorry, Boots. You seem like a nice enough kid, but you're in the way. You're surprised at my Jackie boy, aren't you? Don't be. Comes a time in every man's life when he has to start looking after himself, no matter how much a fool idealist he used to be. Jack and I are two peas in a pod, sweetheart. It just took him a little longer to go rotten. Isn't that right, Jackie? Good night, Boots. You'll be better off without the baggage. Tom, let me. Just as you like, Jackie boy. But make it quick. We've got people to meet. Jack? Jack, put down that gun. Don't make this harder than it is, Trixie. Jack, you can't do this. Stop it! No man knows what he's capable of till he does it. Sorry, partner. Jack's forty-five cracked twice. I could feel the heat, the rush of hot metal coming towards me faster than the speed of sound. I stared at Jack for what felt like an eternity, not comprehending what had happened. He stepped towards me. I moved back on impulse. My eyes followed him as he passed me and stopped at Tom Fellow's feet where he lay on our floor, two fist-sized holes in his chest. Fellow stared up at Jack a moment, as unsure as I was of what had just happened. Then his eyes rolled back in his head and saw no more. Finally, Jack spoke. Get Sabian on the line. Tell him we landed his shark for him. Jack didn't say too much in the days that followed. Sabian kept the gang angle out of the papers, 
made it look like Tom Fellows had been drunk and violent. It kept his masters from killing us both, for the moment. Jennings came in hopping mad and paid his bill, saying he was on his way to a detective who'd do a proper job. The next day, my snapshots were delivered. Last I heard, he was living in a one-room above a store, the Dragon Lady at distant memory. A week after the shooting, I came to work and found Jack already there, and two workmen just leaving. The smoked glass in the door was as clean as I'd ever seen it, and now it read, Justice and Dixon, Private Investigations. Jack's eyes over the rim of his coffee cup dared me to comment. I took off my hat and poured myself a cup. Neither of us ever said a word about it. That was just the way it was. Every man has his ghosts. There was no reason to think I deserved to be an exception. I knew I'd never get the look on Tom Fellow's face out of my mind, so I didn't try. But I did what I did for my partner, and because it was the right thing to do. And because once upon a time, both those things meant something. I'm almost sure they did. Blackjack Justice, Episode 12, Justice and the Happy Ending, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons with additional voices by Peter Nichol and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Boy, I'm hungry. Let's go get some lunch. I'd love to, but I have to work on my tax return. No problem. We'll do both. Both? How? We'll just go to that place where you can file a form and force-feed some frijoles at the same time. Of course. You mean... Taco Taco Tax! Good day, senores. I am Hugh, your waiter. Here is your menu and your 1040. What would you like today? Mm, I'd like the uh, number seven, please. Ah, the taco enchilada and standard deductions. And you, senor? Gee, I don't know. What do you recommend? Oh, the chimichanga and charitable deduction is very good today. I don't know. Or if you're on a budget, I think you'd like the burritos and bankruptcy platter. We call it Chapter 11 Heaven. No, I had a pretty good year. Oh, too bad, senor. Then you're eligible for our gotta pay a lot of tostada. Both the taxes and the tostada will eat you alive. Fine, I'll take that. Okay, how many nachos? Two. How many dependents? Uh, three. Five. Man alive, no jive? I told you, I had a good year. Now, what to drink? Tea for two. W2? On the double, Hugh. I hope you enjoy your meal. I'll be right back with your refund. Make your taxing more relaxing. You get more on your plate of food that's great, but give much less to the IRS at Taco Tax, Taco Tax, Taco Tax, Taco Tax, Taco Tax.